0: Avoidance can permeate our parish, leading members to avoid hard conversations with that grumpy usher, with the cantor who is tone deaf or too slow, with the hospitality group that is a clique that nobody dare approach, or with the staff secretary who is impatient on the phone. We have to work on building healthier teams to have trust and vulnerability AND HEALTHY CONFLICT. THIS IS A TALK ON TRANSFORMING PARISH CULTURE AT ST JOHN IN FREDERICK FOR THE INSTITUTE FOR EVANGELIZATION'S PASTORAL STAFF DAY. IT WAS GIVEN BY JULIE ST. Croix, WHO LEADS THE OFFICE OF PARISH RENEWAL. JULIE IS USING THE MODEL OUTLINED IN DEACON KEITH STORM'S BOOK, FIVE ESSENTIAL PARADIGM SHIFTS FOR PARISH RENEWAL. IT IS SUCH A JOY TO BE STANDING HERE IN MY BELOVED HOME PARISH of St. John's in Frederick. I still remember the first time that I entered this church when my husband Brad and I, along with our three small children, moved to Frederick in 2002. I was in awe of this majestic church and the ornate altar and the magnificent painting of the crucifixion as its centerpiece. St. John's Parish is 258 years old and this church is 184 years old. It is amazing for its beauty and historical significance. But more than a church building, St. John's became a spiritual home for me and my family. We became part of this worshiping community and made friends who continue to inspire and walk with us today. It was here at the Easter Vigil in 2003, that I was initiated into the Catholic Church as a full member by the late Father Wayne Funk. As I look out over the pews, I can still picture the faces of the many parishioners and friends who prayed with me and shared their faith journeys throughout the years. I am also incredibly grateful for the parish staff members who I had the privilege of ministering with at this parish and the pastors and priests who supported my spiritual and formational growth. They say that it takes a village to raise a child. Likewise, I believe it takes a faith community to raise a disciple, and I am blessed that St. John's is this community for me. I am sure that there are many people that you know in your parishes who, like me, have been supported and nurtured in their faith, and who have gone on to inspire and evangelize others. I am also sure that you, in your own faith journey, can point to individual lay people, staff, or priests who played a significant role in helping you, your faith, to grow and calling forth your gifts in your ministry. What is it that sets those particular people apart from all the others who have walked with you in your faith journey? I'm guessing it has something to do with the fact that these people especially cared about you, saw you as a person blessed with many gifts, someone in whom the Holy Spirit actively was working, and they took the time to help you nurture what was already inside you. I know for me, One of these people was Monsignor Dick Murphy who helped me understand vision in my ministry as a catechetical leader and helped me to ground all that I do in prayer. I share these thoughts to remind you that the fruits of the Holy Spirit that demonstrate a life lived as a disciple of Christ are most abundant when they are nurtured through personal relationships personal relationships that are built on friendship, accompaniment, and respect for the presence of the divine in every person. This is probably not a new revelation for you because you see this every day. But I know that in the flurry of activity that surrounds all the programming, paperwork, and problem solving we do in ministry, it is sometimes easy to forget that at the heart of this work is an individual person who is walking a path of faith that we do not know, but can courageously and humbly accompany them on. You may be saying, sounds great, Julie, but what does that actually look like? Do you mean to say that I'm not already doing that? You may even be saying, there is no way I can accompany every family in my religious education program. And I say to you, This is part of the culture shift that we need to work on, making, to figure out how the work of making disciples can expand out beyond those on the church payroll to include all the baptized and their multitude of gifts, including the gift to accompany fellow parishioners in friendship and faith. It may mean something much more than just tweaking programs or focusing on best practices. It may mean we need to consider how to shift certain cultures in our parishes that work against the call to missionary discipleship and parish renewal. Deacon Keith Strom's book, Ablaze, Five Essential Paradigm Shifts for Parish Renewal, gives us a framework for looking at these culture shifts. Many of us have heard the quote from Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast. The corollary to this is that leadership eats culture for lunch. As a parish staff, we have a central role in shifting the culture of our parishes. In fact, it will be impossible for the culture to be shifted unless we as a staff are intentional about this renewal. Culture is sort of an ambiguous term though, so let's define what we mean by culture. It is what we allow tolerate, celebrate, reward, or punish? Do we wish we had more volunteers or lay leaders, but allow and possibly even reward ministry leaders who are not welcoming to new ideas or new leadership? We've just defined our leadership culture. Do we hope more people who are hurting and lost would find healing in Christ and his church, but tailor most of our parish experiences to lifelong Catholics. We've just defined our evangelization culture. Parish culture is almost an intangible quality, but it gets established by very tangible things that the pastor, staff, and leadership absolutely can influence, most directly in the way that ideas and actions are proposed, evaluated, celebrated, or possibly rejected. Everything we do, every program we run, contributes to the culture in our parish and ultimately influences the fruitfulness of our evangelization. In his Ablaze book, Deacon Strom suggests that there are five culture shifts every parish needs to address in order to become an evangelizing parish. Let's dig into those a little bit. And as I describe them, Make a mental note of where you think your parish is in terms of each one. The first paradigm shift is from institutional to intentional faith. Many Catholics experience God as distant and disconnected from their everyday life. They are consumers with regards to their parish and will often search for parishes that are less demanding with regards to programs and sacraments. They want to get sacraments for their children and may also leave Mass before the final blessing once they've received Communion. They have no idea that they could have a personal relationship with Jesus. God is a mystery, and faith is definitely not something that they feel they can share with others. The impact of this institutional culture is that staff spend a lot of time trying to meet consumer demands and not focusing on helping people to meet Jesus. To shift this culture to intentional faith, we will need to expect, plan for, and leave room for the presence, power, and purpose of the Holy Spirit to accompany our activities. This could look like shifting our meetings for sacraments to more intentional conversations with parents about their adult experience of faith, sharing the ups and downs of their own spiritual journeys. It could mean amplifying our prayer practices, both as a staff and within ministries of the parish. A shift to intentional faith involves a focus on the encounter and accompaniment core mission priorities and helping people to develop a personal relationship with the Lord. The second shift is from engagement to encounter. Engaged churches have many activities, but often lose their Jesus-centric approach in making sure that people encounter Christ through these activities. This can also be described as converting people to a community, but not to Christ. Some of the indicators that our parish could be in this culture is that people will simply leave the community if the mass times change, or the parish school closes, or a pastor leaves, even though these are natural seasons of any faith community. It can also look like parishes with lots of activities, and ministries, and socializing that are not necessarily vital, alive, or constantly being renewed and reimagined. They might just be busy. In this culture, volunteers are valued by the hours they contribute, but their individual gifts are not always discerned as part of the sending core mission priority. In order to shift this culture, we need to look at how we are integrally connecting people in a relationship with Christ. This shift in this culture could mean that pastoral council elections are replaced with spiritual prayer and discernment of new members. It means that the Holy Spirit is invited into our activities and programs, which are constantly evaluated by the fruit that they bear. It means that engaged parishioners are not overwhelmed by the number of ministries that a parish is involved in, but rather they are helped to discern their gifts and onboarded to missional activities that will help them grow in their relationship with God. This shift would give staff clarity as to what God is calling us to focus on and permission to let go of those things that drain our time, talent, and energy. The next paradigm is from maintenance to mission. This is a paradigm of moving from an inward to an outward focus. A parish is in maintenance mode if the stewardship conversations at the parish are primarily about conservation. People are giving their time and talents so that the community will continue to exist. There may be some outreach to those on the outside, but these ministries are often seen as good things to do and not our fundamental sense of mission and purpose. It can cause a parish to focus on activities like Bible studies and events at the church, namely serving the people who are already there or feeding the sheep. But Jesus did not just teach us to feed the sheep, but he also called us to be fishers of men. Shifting to a culture of mission demands that we constantly read the signs of the times, to know where and when and how to cast the net into deeper water. It means seeking understanding and listening with an open heart first, always presuming that the Holy Spirit already is at work in those that we meet. Making this shift also demands that we challenge ourselves to stop thinking of the laity as the walking wounded, but rather as a critical component to evangelizing the world. Each of our parishes is gifted with competent people commissioned by their baptism to release God's power into the world. This is why the mission and impulses of our parishes continue and grow. They're not centered on any of us as paid church ministers. Galvanizing and releasing the gifts of the parishioners into the community will help to move us to a mission culture. Giving our parishioners confidence in sharing their stories of faith as they serve the needs of the community is an example of shifting to a mission culture. The next paradigm is from avoidance to accountability. In an avoidance culture, leaders dodge difficult, forthright conversations about things such as performance and if a ministry is bearing fruit. This can cause a sickness in an organization. Some of the signs of an avoidance culture include sustained dysfunction, bitterness, woundedness, and poor morale on staff. Avoidance can permeate our parish, leading members to avoid hard conversations with that grumpy usher, with the cantor who is tone deaf or too slow, with the hospitality group that is a clique that nobody dare approach, or with the staff secretary who is impatient on the phone. We have to work on building healthier teams to have trust and vulnerability and healthy conflict. Creating a healthy staff team is key to addressing any of the culture changes for parish renewal. Remember, like I said at the beginning, Leadership eats culture for lunch. Having a team that shares the same vision and can disagree with each other in charity and truth is essential to changing the parish culture. I would like to dive a little bit deeper into the last paradigm shift, which is from programs to people. This will allow you to get a sense as to what this could look like for your team to focus on shifting a culture, and what kind of conversations you could have with the Emmaus teams from my office about parish renewal. We have inherited a program mentality. Many of us have programs that have been running in the same way for many years with the mantra, we've always done it this way. While we understand that our purpose is to make disciples, unless parish leaders can help others to encounter Jesus, to walk with them in discipleship, to mature them in their faith, and to equip them to share Jesus with others, it will be difficult to transform this parish culture. Textbooks don't make disciples. Events don't make disciples, programs don't make disciples, people make disciples. This is the model that Christ established for us, that the saints carried forward through the ages and that continues to this day to be the only way conversion is sustained. This is a hard culture to shift because we all know it is much easier to have a programmatic approach to our ministries. It is easier to set out the expectations and say no to people with unique circumstances, rather than accompany them through the messiness of life. Staffs with a program mindset value operational expertise and administrative skill in ministry good and necessary qualities, but not to the exclusion of pastoral responses. They may be searching for the holy grail of programs, the one that will make the disciples for them. Does a program culture exist at your parish? There is no shame in recognizing that programs are necessary and can complement well other disciple-making efforts they can become a crutch or a substitute for the personal accompaniment that leads to lasting conversion. In contrast to a program culture, a people culture is like that of the RCIA. The process is designed to walk with people wherever they are on their faith journey. The formational impulse of the parish is structured around a pathway to discipleship, where the next step in the spiritual journey for an individual or family is clear, but appropriate to their individual situation. This does not mean that we have to create a different process for every family in your parish. Many of our households will be well served by the current models and programs that we have. But do consider how the charisma is shared in formational opportunities and evaluate offerings on the basis of fruitfulness for the people. I saw some of this intentional shift with a parish that was considering moving their faith formation program from a classroom model to a model of pairing a catechist with a small number of families. The catechists would help form the entire family and support the parents in leading their domestic church. Another example is one in which parishes could focus on a small band of disciples, following a great model laid out by Jesus, and accompany them in faith so that then they can go out and do the same for others, exponentially increasing the number of formed disciples. This paradigm shift of from programs to people recognizes that evangelization happens through relationships, and we as staff are called to help to connect people with those who will spiritually accompany them. You may wonder what you can do to start shifting the culture in your parish at this point. I would suggest that you can make some intentional course corrections that can start to move the needle of change. If the paradigm shift of programs to people is not where you and your team want to focus initially, use the questions in the Ablaze book to dive into one of the other paradigms and consider what one thing you could do in the next three months and in the next year to move in a different direction. The Office of Parish Renewal are working to form Emmaus teams that will walk with you through some of these discussions and to help you to strategize about the best path forward. One last but very important note. Culture change will be impossible if we try to do it ourselves. We cannot afford, as parishes and as a diocese, to operate solely out of human talents and resources. We need the Holy Spirit. We must be intentional about growing a culture of prayer. Start with the staff. Pray over and for each other. Invite parishioners and your prayer warriors to pray for the mission of the parish. Get ministries to be more intentional in their prayers. Invite the Holy Spirit to engage in your staff and in your ministries, and then see what happens. You will see joy and hope increase. You will have the peace of knowing that your ministry does not depend on you, but on the openness of having the Holy Spirit work through you and through the people that you serve. Small changes can have big impacts. I am incredibly grateful that 19 years ago, when I was inquiring about being a Catholic in December, nobody at St. John's told me to come back the following September. They met me where I was, saw that I was at a critical point in my faith journey, and they accompanied me in that sacred place. All this came about because someone was willing to listen to my story and was open to adapting their program to fit my needs. I want to thank you all for your witness and ministry in the church. Every day, I am inspired by conversations with pastors, staff, and parishioners and the gifts that you all freely share with your parishes. I am blessed to be in a position in the Office of Parish Renewal where I can accompany you and your staff teams in this most important work of the church. I'm humbled to be a co-worker in the Vineyard with you. Please pray for me as I will for you. This has been a production of the Archdiocese of Baltimore's Institute for Evangelization. To learn more, visit www.archbalt.org backslash evangelization. Again, that's www.archbalt.org backslash evangelization.